Hi, this is Erica. Thanks for joining me today for another season of Leadership on the Ground. In this season, we are covering the timing of leadership, which is all about answering the question of when. Time is a precious resource, a non-renewable resource. So learning how to use it, leverage it, and turbocharge it in our life and in our career can be a game changer. Okay, let's get started. You are listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 7, The Timing of Leadership. Throughout the previous six seasons of Leadership on the Ground, we've covered the essential basics of leadership in the 21st century, leading in real time, and the rhythm, tensions, realities, and the context of leadership. So for this new season, we cover the critical discussions around the timing of leadership, which is all about answering the question of when. Learning how to use, leverage, and turbocharge time will be a game changer for you and your organization. And now, here are your hosts, Erica Pietler and Todd Schnick. Right. Welcome back to episode seven, the timing of leadership tool set. So, all right, last season, Erica, we talked about tool sets in regards to context. So you've mentioned how timing and context work together. So I assume that uh, some of the tools are similar, but perhaps with a slightly different angle to them, like your calendar, for instance. Oh, the calendar. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I actually think I could write a book about this. I my- bet you could. <laughs> And maybe I'm a little time obsessed and certainly calendar obsessed. If you looked at my calendar, it's actually color-coded, planned a year in advance. I work with it on a daily basis and I'm constantly staging and sequencing and prioritizing. So I do walk the talk. Like when I do kind of share some of these things, trust me when I say I I play with this uh, in my own world. But the calendar is a living and breathing tool. And I wanted to just spend a few minutes giving a couple of tips for folks who are looking to really focus and manage their time better, both internally and externally. And it really starts at a fundamental and basic level with your calendar. So, you know, your fingerprints and your footprints are all over your calendar. So just a couple things. One is, you know, how much time do you allocate to a typical session? Like if someone were going to call you up, Todd, and say, hey, I'd like to book some time with you, what would be the typical time slot you would give me? I would automatically give them an hour, not even thinking about it. Right. We would all do that, right? It's like, boom, put in the hour time slot. One of the things I like to encourage people is fight the urge to just give the typical hour. Start with 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Even ask, how much time do you think you need? And maybe double it. You know, some people say, oh, I only need five minutes. Yeah, that's not true. right, right. Right? Maybe 20 minutes, you know, maybe 30 minutes. So think about how much time you're allocating. Another thing I like to do is, remember we talked earlier in an episode about that energy relationship with time. And Todd's couple of hours of time, high productivity are bigger than or better than other day, other times during the day. And Erica has different time periods. So I always encourage people block out those high productivity times and try not to let anybody put anything on your calendar for that time period, especially if your high productivity times are prime time in the middle of the day, like 11 to 1. Take that time and try to like have other people move calendar uh, meetings around that. You've got to block it off. You really do. You, you have really no do. No choice. It's six hours of unbelievable juicy time, which could make or break your day. You know, you know when you leave in those days and you're like, "What the heck did I do all day?" Don't let that happen. If you block those two hours of time and you grab even just one of them, it's a game changer. 
Another tip for the calendar is, you know, invest in thinking, planning, and reflecting time. I literally put on my calendar, it's like thinking about this topic or planning or reflecting on this topic. Don't be ashamed of that. That's valuable time. A lot of leaders think that's a waste of time. Like, I can't do that looking in the rearview mirror. That's like, I got to be in a meeting. I got to be productive. No, you got to be making sure that value is created. And sometimes value is created in those quiet moments when you're consolidating and thinking and getting the foresight action together, right? You know, that we talked about in the strategy of time, giving yourself the time to put those links together. It all starts with giving yourself that time on the calendar, staging projects in pieces and in parts. One thing that, you know, I also encourage people to do is you can't just bite it off in in one day. You know, we sometimes wait until the day before something is due and it's like, I got to get this whole thing done today. What if you're not in the mood that day? You know, or what you can power through it and you can get it done. But if you would have thought about it a week ago and did it in chunks and stages, it might have been really, really better in that iterative time frame that we talked about where you get to like look at it multiple times and kind of add to it. Another thing, let me ask you this now. I know you're a solopreneur and I'm a solopreneur, so I, I think I know the answer to this, but this is probably not true for a lot of our listeners. Who manages your calendar? I do. You do. And I would never allow anyone else to manage my calendar. Even when I was in the corporate world, I was very hands-on and very kind of rule-oriented with the calendar because if you let your calendar just go and people just book time on it and then you don't know where you're going. I, I literally walk into executives' offices and they're like, where am I going next? And I'm like, you don't know what you're doing today? You don't know where you're going? That's not cool. That's a common tale. And you got to put the big rocks in first, right? You know, you got to put the vacations with the family in. You got to make sure the leadership meetings are in. The things that you know you need to do, you got to put those in first at the beginning of the year. My calendar for 2019 is pretty much already set. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Talk about the power of uninterrupted time. Now, you may very well do what you just suggested and block off two hours of time to do work on something. But if it's not protected, meaning that someone walks by and knocks on your door and says, hey, a quick question for you. I just need five minutes to talk you through some. Boom. Your uninterrupted, un, your uninterrupted time is gone. Talk about why uninterrupted time is so powerful and how to protect it. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, calendars are a big tool. Yeah. No, I mean, first of all, if anyone ever tries to reach me by phone, if you don't have a scheduled appointment with me, there is no way that phone call is getting through. Okay. I do not pick up that phone. It, I mean, unless it's somehow suspected to be an emergency. Right. But every time I do it, I'm always regretful and I'm always like, you know what? Not going to do it. Uninterrupted time is really, really important. You need to let people know that certain time is uninterrupted. Shut off that phone, close that door. If you have the luxury of an executive assistant who can tell you, no, this isn't a good time, you know, I can, I can make another bit of time. But that stop, start, stop, start is not just the stop and the start. It literally, research has shown, takes 20 minutes to go from when the interruption came in to getting back your stream of thought and the concentration of your thought. Now, by the same token, you can't go uninterrupted for hours and hours. You got to take a break and you got to recharge. But even in those breaks, if you're not distracted by other things, you can kind of keep the continuity of your time. It's really critically important. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Let's talk about meetings. There's a couple of approaches to this I want to get into. Like context last season, you talked about the meeting agenda. Is that is that applicable here? It's so applicable to how you're going to invest this time. And, you know, this is a matter of respect, good planning. You know, you ever get that agenda in your email and you're just like, it has like three bullets on it. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm like going into this meeting and I have no idea what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. I have no idea. I don't like going into those kind of meetings. I really want to understand in advance what's your goal of this meeting? What are you trying to accomplish? 
What do you need me to prepare for? I'd like to read something in advance so that I don't ask stupid questions and waste everybody's time with low-level things. I want to be able to raise the level of play. You know, so I'll go into board meetings, for example. And, you know, boards take a while to kind of get their mojo together. But we used to, like, go into a couple of board meetings I was a part of, and they would, like, literally walk us through the financials. I'm like, I could read that in advance. And then we can just kind of highlight a couple of key questions that we have, and then we'll spend more time getting involved in other topics. How you invest your time as a board in meetings says a lot about how you run your company. It says a lot about how you run your life. All I have to do is sit in on one meeting of a company and I'm like, okay, I understand what some of our opportunities are and I understand what some of our challenges are. And what I want to do in a meeting is I want to get the talent and engagement to talk about ideas. Let's go back to the strategy of time. I want to be in a position where that time invested is looking for insights and trying to put together foresights. That's what a meeting should be about. What could we do in this room to get smarter, better, and more clear about what's happening so that we can take action out of this room and create competitive advantage? If we weren't working at the top end of that quadrant chart with insights and foresights, we were probably not investing our time. We were probably wasting some of our time. So I like to try to hold that as a high watermark. The other thing, and I think we mentioned this in last season, which is when leaders are leading other leaders, There's a quality to setting a meeting agenda that I think is really special. And I can always tell when a really contemporary leader is at the helm. And that is they have questions that they're putting in that agenda. You know, I want to pick your brain on ways that we can recruit millennials in our organization at a faster rate versus hiring practices, right? We could have the agenda. The agenda might say hiring practices or the agenda might say, we'd like to understand how we can recruit millennials at a faster clip in our organization. I think you're going to be differently prepared looking at one of those versus the other. Might pick up a couple of articles, ask a couple of people, get a couple of best practices versus going into the meeting, having nothing incremental to share except what situationally is off the top of your head, and then having to do all sorts of follow-up. Hey, I was in a board meeting. Here's a little follow-up. And then the time never catches up with the situation. It's worthwhile investing time with an agenda to make that meeting perceived by those participating investment. Absolutely. Versus... I can't believe we have to go to this meeting. What a waste of my time. Yep, exactly. And then obviously you need to, it's the classic case. Uh, it's, even though it's an hour-long meeting and you have 10 people, you're not wasting an hour. You're wasting 10 hours. Exactly. So you have to be cognizant of that and make the decision. Does this person really need to be there? Absolutely. And sometimes I feel like we're trying to fill their 40 hours a week. So I'll just go to a meeting. No, which you raise a really great point, right? So the blue dollar meter is running. Yeah, it's another way to look around the room. And I say, you know, because the bigger the meeting is, the less real intimate engagement and high quality conversation you have. And I always draw the line. I say, listen, we should only have participants in meetings. So if someone is a passenger in the meeting, they shouldn't be there. And I get, you know what I get as a response from a lot of leaders, why a lot of people tend to be in their meetings. You know what they tell me? It's a learning experience, Eric. I go, no, it's not. No, that's not learning. I go, you want to make it a learning experience? Let them take notes and then issue something or you let them share something. Let them be in the hot seat. They have to be engaged in the meeting. They can't just be watching who's talking and what's going on. That's not a learning a learning opportunity. They have to be involved if there's going to be learning. So no, that's not a good thing. You know, thinking further about meetings, I imagine different types of meetings have different time expectations probably, yeah? They do. And, you know, this is another great skill for leaders when you're thinking about your timing tool set and really maximizing your time because you value it and you want to use it in the best possible way. There are four types of meetings and we may be conscious or unconscious about them, but here are the four types. You could have an information sharing meeting, 
a coordination meeting, an operational meeting, or a strategic meeting. Now, most people would say, of course, I want to have a strategic meeting. But if you were to put those four meetings on a list, I would tell you that most organizations spend 40% in information, 30 in coordination, 20 in operation, and 10 in strategy. Mm. And we need to do the exact opposite. It needs to be 40, 30, 20, 10. And I tell people, just draw a line right in the middle. Because quite honestly, not a lot of organizations are even having strategic meetings. But let's say at that operational slash strategic level, seven out of 10 of your meetings or 70% of your time should be spent there. 30% I get needs to be some sort of information sharing and coordination, but try to limit it to lightning rounds. Remember we did a lightning round last season and you were naming the tool and I was just quickly giving you a little bit of a snippet. That could be done in a meeting to just quickly get people up to speed. One minute, Todd, boom, give me this. You know, Erica, boom, give me that. Coordination meetings, all right, we may need to work out a process, make sure we understand it, kind of go through the logistics. I get that that can't always be in a memo. But what we really want to preserve our time for is the operational and strategic meetings where engagement, trade-offs, again, those discussions of insights and the culmination of foresights, that's when we're really using our talent and our time for good, for strategy, for impact, and for really making a difference. Mm-hmm. All right, Erica and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This season is made possible by Leadership Rigor, the leadership development framework founded and facilitated by Erica Peetler. Erica Peetler teaches breakthrough performance and productivity strategies for how to lead yourself, lead teams, and lead at the organizational level. Everything you think you know about leadership will be turned upside down. Leadership Rigor can be experienced through reading the international best-selling book, engaging in one-on-one coaching, or creating a customized team or organizational leadership journey. To achieve breakthrough performance and productivity, visit ericapeetler.com to learn more. That's ericapeetler.com. All right, I'm back with Erica. This is the Timing of Leadership Toolset, Episode 7. So, All right. You and your models, uh, your favorite is the progressive mindset model. I have a feeling this is relevant to the timing tool set as well. It, you know, it is. And it, and it's relevant back to, um, how context and timing work together. You know, the progressive mindset model is that S curve. And at the bottom is the bevel. The middle is the inflection point. The top is the crest. And the most easy way to use that is in telling the narrative of the progressive journey of your organization, which is where were we? where are we going, and where are we now, and where are we going next, which is really about the timing, right? It's really about the timing and the direction. So it's an important tool, and that's one of the models that if you're not using that daily, you're missing an opportunity to really anchor the context and the time and the connection that lets people know that you're working on the business and that you're trying to keep the link between where they're going and what they're doing right now. Well, you just mentioned on the business. So let's talk about the accountability conversation, because that is more of an in-the-business tool, but I suspect it's still worth mentioning. It is. That one is in the business. And clearly, you know, the accountability conversation does three really important things. One is it reminds us that we have to always clarify our expectations because we want to be able to do what we need to do, but we don't want to be investing too much time going beyond what the real expectations and requirements are, right? We don't have endless time and we don't have endless resources. So the accountability conversation allows us to get a handle on our time by being really clear about our expectations. 
It also allows us to talk about resources. Again, people is another place that we invest our time. Where do we point our people towards in terms of productivity? So we want to be clear about the resources. And then what's the end product or the deliverable? Who is doing what when is also wrapped up into that accountability conversation. And it's an important link because if we have people who are accountable to doing things that aren't necessarily in alignment or in context with the direction that we're heading in, then we're not really leveraging that productivity of our resources that we talked about earlier. The accountability conversation is another way to just kind of make sure that link is in place. I know you are always experimenting with other ideas around uh, calendaring and timing and all that. Any other tools you want to you wanna share with us? <laughs> well, it's funny that you ask because I was, like I said, in Chicago and I was experimenting and doing a, a couple of uh, workshops with some different folks. And I was using a tool that I thought may have some relevance for our audience because it is also a tool around timing. And it's based on a guy, DeBono, who came up with a concept around thinking and he calls it the six thinking hats. And what I love about this is one of the reasons why meetings and time is wasted is because there's a lot of confusion. People are, you know, strong opinion, you know, looking in this direction, talking about this, and everybody gets distracted and we just have a big mess on our hands when we're in these meetings and we get a headache. What DeBono did, which I think is really great, is he kind of takes us out of the typical Western mindset of argument and puts us into a concept called parallel thinking which basically says if we're all thinking in the same direction at the same time, we're going to get the power and the focus to get more done. And he kind of likens it to imagine four people situated around a house, the north side, west side, east side, and south side, and we're all connected by a microphone and we're describing what we see on each side of the house. Now, we're all absolutely correct but we're shouting to each other what we think the house looks like from all these different directions, and we don't have a common view from it. And yet we have to come to a decision as to whether we like this house. Well, I'm only seeing one part of the house. What DeBono does is he has these six different hats, and he says, let's just all at the same time look in one direction. So let's say we're all wearing a yellow hat. A yellow hat is an optimistic hat that says, how do we make this idea work? If our idea is to launch a blue pen, and we want to launch a blue pen in the market, let's all work and think about how can we make launching this blue pen successful. If we want to wear a black hat, we can all think about, well, what wouldn't work about launching this blue pen? And we're not moving from different perspectives. We're all thinking in one direction. So he has this black hat, which is trying to find the negative assessment, this yellow hat, which is a positive assessment. He'll put on a, a red hat and say, just tell me how you feel, Todd. You know, just give me your feeling. I'm not going to ask you to justify it. I love the idea. I hate the idea. Just put it out there. I don't use blue pens. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, boom. And then white hat. Well, do we have data on how many people use blue pens? How many people use black pens, right? You know, so information gaps. Or the blue hat, which I love. The blue hat is like big picture blue sky thinking, and they're thinking about thinking. So they're helping to coordinate which hat should we be looking through and which hat should we be dealing with. And then there's the green hat, which is, well, it's great that we have an idea about launching a blue hat, but are there other color or blue uh, blue pen? Are there other colors that we should be launching and maybe thinking about? So other alternatives. What I love is when you're wearing each of those hats, you're focusing everybody on one direction and the timing of when you put that hat on and when you direct people, that's really a skill set that a lot of people do unconsciously, right? Because we're in meetings and probably some really savvy facilitators and some savvy leaders get us to appropriately look in a direction. But imagine the power of that tool of when to wear what hat to kind of synergize and kind of focus the power of thinking. 
it saves so much time. I mean, in his book, the research was showing anecdotally from organizations that he worked with, things that were taking organizations days and weeks were taking them hours. That's how quick it was. And it was a productivity enhancer. And in today's world, when we're talking about time being such a precious resource, I'll take any tool that can help my clients get to productivity and performance faster. And that drives you more towards that foresight quadrant. Absolutely. Right. Okay. You know, I have to ask you this. When you mentioned the confusion meetings, I, I somehow I was struck by the fact that half the people in these meetings are introverts who hate <laughs> being in meetings. Any thoughts there? Because the extroverted, the loud guy tends to dominate most meetings, even though it may not be productive. Any thoughts on how to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you two or three quick thoughts off the top of my head. One is, I know the power of the introvert and the introvert has great deep thinking. And if we don't set the introvert up to give us that thinking before they get in the meeting, we're not getting it in the meeting. Right, <laughs> that right. I can guarantee you. Right. It's happening too fast. It's moving too quickly. They're at a competitive disadvantage for sharing their information and finding their entry points. So the concept of pre-work, pre-reading and preparation is really in service of getting the best thinking out of our introverts when they're in the room. When you get in the room, now everyone is prepared. It's a level playing field, at least in the room. Otherwise, it's not a level playing field. Extroverts have the advantage when it's a spontaneous, extemporaneous conversation. But assuming it's a level playing field, now we have to make entry points available for the introverts, right? Because they're thinking and they're kind of processing. So the savvy facilitator has to say, okay, I want to hear from everybody. Let's go around the room so we don't miss the entry point. The other thing is if uh, an introvert is in the room and they even make a movement, I'm all over it. I'm like, it looked like you blinked, Todd. Is there something that you want to share? When I know my introverts and they like make a little movement, I shut down all the extroverts and I like put a limelight right on that introvert. You need that type of awareness in the room to really get the talent and the ideas out. All right. Well, Erica, thank you for uh, addressing the introverts in these meetings. So appreciate you doing that. It's all the time we have for today. Next week, we're going to talk about the business and language of time me thinks this will be a fun conversation. Erica, before we let you go, uh, should anyone have questions on any of this, how do they contact you? Sure. You can get to me at Erica at EricaPietler.com. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at, at Erica Pietler, And also Leadership Rigor is on Amazon.com. All right. Todd and Erica signing off for today. We're heading to a meeting. We'll see you next week.